Talk Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study on TalkShoe. Good to see you folks there in the chat room. And uh, tonight we will be in um, Luke chapter 2. How you doing, Brother David? Very good, Pastor Don. Amen, brother. Maybe you can wipe the sweat off and get up. <laughs> and we're yeah, we're breaking records up here all week. Yeah, amen, brother. Amen. It's, um, it's, it's warm down here, but it's not unbearable. It's um yeah it's around ninety degrees, but the humidity's yeah. been low. Oh, it's ninety here, but high humidity. Yeah, that's what you were telling me. I know down here it's a blessing that there's no chemtrails. I well, I was talking to Brother Kevin um, this morning. I hadn't seen a chemtrail in almost a week now, and that's absolutely un- unheard of down here. Yeah, they they're doing it up here, I guess. Probably they didn't have so. enough planes. Canada's big, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, brother. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, folks, now we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And um, in the first chapter, and well, before we get started, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer. Brother David. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would again teach us tonight that you would use Pastor Don to speak to us and the Word of God, that it would become a part of us, an integral part of us that you would highlight what has been written on our hearts and mind and bring us to remembrance of these things and we ask that we'd have the power and desire to walk in them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks, before we get started in Luke, I'm going to make mention of tomorrow night's program. Tomorrow night we're going to start a series. Don't know how long, how many programs it's going to be. It may just be one. I don't know. We'll say I kind of doubt it though. Um, and the name of the series is going to be "Last Days Prophecy in a World Gone Mad," and um, we'll be from Genesis to Revelation, Isaiah, Micah, Obadiah, Matthew, Luke, Mark. First Timothy, Second Timothy, we'll be all over the Word of God. We're gonna have a good time, and in you folks if that um, are in the chat room and the ones that download this after the program, I know some people wait and listen until after the program's over. If you want to come in tomorrow night, if you got any questions, write them down. Come on in. You'll be you can ask questions anytime. It'll be it'll be fine. But um, that's the what we're going to start tomorrow night. And um, 
one other thing I want to make mention of. Let me see. If I, let me think about this for a second. I may wait till we get to the last of this chapter before I make a comment. Uh, let me see. No, it's in Chapter 3. I'll go ahead and make the comment now. For a lot of you downloaders, I'm not necessarily sure who is in the chat room. It's under guest. I don't know the names, but some of the downloaders out there I know listen to a particular so-called teacher out there that knows the book pretty good. All right? I'm not going to call their name. I'm just going to tell you that this person that seems to get a lot of traction, supposedly an angel came down and gave them this information that they seem to be teaching. How Adam is, how Jesus is really Adam because of the wording in the Word of God. And all kind of stuff like that. Reincarnation. They don't call it that, but that's exactly what they're talking about. Well, I knew that I had heard bits and pieces of that somewhere in church history. All right? So, I spent three quarters of today going back through Irenaeus' heresies. Now, whether this person knows what they're teaching, if they're doing it on purpose, I have no idea. Uh, or whether it's just the same spirit that led those heretics in the first, second, third century on, that's more than likely exactly where the problem lies. But the doctrine that's being taught by this person, and like I said, I don't mean any malice by what I'm saying because they can be deceived just like anybody else. All right, like I could be deceived, or you could be deceived. But what they're teaching is bits and pieces of nothing more than Valentinius Gnosticism. That's exactly where some of their doctrine comes from. Okay? Valentinius Gnosticism. Irenaeus dealt with this back in 150 A.D. to 200 A.D. And his great work on heresies, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to go and study it yourself because you're gonna, you'll get burnt out in the first few chapters. You, won't have a, you probably, unless you've done a lot of studying of the church fathers, won't have a clue what, you're talking, what he's talking about. But I knew I'd heard it before because I've been through... Irenaeus' her heresies at least three times. So I just went back to check on myself today. And he covers everything practically that's taught by this person in the first book, in the first 16 chapters. All right? Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not slamming this person because the person could just be deceived. But either way, it's a lie. And let me explain something else. The Gnostics were grand wizards at allegory, okay? You're talking about some of, the, um, some of the wonderful allegory. They were masters at allegorical teaching, okay? That's why for the first four centuries, the basic church fathers were staunch 
literalist. Pure biblical literalist. Okay? And maybe tomorrow night what I'll do is I will play you. I might do this. I don't, I'll have to I'm, I'm pray about it. I'll, I, I may play you some. It won't be over 10, 15 minutes of Irenaeus's discourse from his book on heresies about this stuff, okay? And I'll also play the 10 minutes where he tells you, like I've been telling you for two years, that Brother Don teaches you nothing more than what the church fathers taught in the first four centuries and built on their doctrine, okay? I may play that 10 minutes and let you hear it out of the horse's mouth so you won't, know, you won't think Brother Don has just been making this up. I one may quick, do that. Yeah. One quick question. They yeah. ask if you could spell that Valatinaeus. Okay. V-A-L-E-I-N-T-U-S. Just like Valentine's Day. Like Valentine. Just drop the E and put U.S. on the end of it. You got it. All right? Um, Irenaeus explains. He, go, he goes into detail about um, what Valentinus taught. Okay? Marcion, like I mentioned the other night, how Marcion, what he had right about the book of Luke and the Pauline epistles, if it wasn't for Marcion the heretic, we, we wouldn't have the copies that we do of the epistles. We got to give him credit for that. But you talking about allegory, folks. Those Gnostics were, were were wizards at allegory. And a lot of the church fathers, they, they, they saw it immediately, and they were staunch biblical literalists. And later on, when allegory came in through Eusebius and, um, let's see, Augustine, later on they started, they started going back and picking up some of that Gnostic allegory stuff. And it has bled through unto this day. And another thing the Gnostics did, they despised the word Christian. Okay? Ring a bell to anybody, you downloaders? <laughs> they despised the word Christian. And they put themselves in a position that they looked at Christians, Christians like they were animals. All right? I've explained Gnosticism before, and I may have to do it again probably tomorrow night. If anybody's got any questions, I'll go back. I'll, I'll re-explain the basic tenets of Gnosticism. But if you're talking about I, I, I'm The light started going off today, and I said, my God, my God. This is, God, this is a spirit. Like I said, I don't believe the person is, is just out to deceive anybody on purpose. I don't believe that. I kind of like the old guy in a way. Okay? But I'm telling you, this is what happens, folks. I've explained this about conspiracy. I'm going to say it one more time. You can't drag this conspiracy thing. You start learning that this is a conspiracy, that's a conspiracy. Then you start getting in the conspiratorial mode of thinking, and you'll, and you'll, you'll try to drag it even into the Word of God. You'll try to, you, like this person, does, they, he, he has drugged the conspiratorial thing all the way into the Word of God. All right? Then you'll start doubting everything, everything that's said, everything that's done. All right? You can't do that because the Father makes the promise that He's going to preserve His Word forever. So that doesn't apply to the book. Period. 
You want a conspiracy to deal with Psalms chapter 2. Okay? Psalms chapter 2. That's, that, that is the, conspir- the mother of all conspiracies. All right? But I'm just, I'm just warning is all I'm doing. I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just telling you where the tenets of what's being taught that by some of the teachers out there, all right? The big allegory guys and this other person I'm talking about, they'll be careful not to mention, use the names that I, if it's being if this is where they got their information, quote, if, if, quote, unquote, if. This is where they got their information to build their doctrine, and I can see where they where they would do that with a conspiratorial mindset. Because see, you go, you think all Christians are bad, then you go back. Well, them church fathers they were suppressing the Gnostics. See, so undoubtedly the Gnostics were just a few. They had the truth, and the big mean church fathers condemned them. So I'm going to go back and listen to what the Gnostics had to say, and I'm sure they had some truth, so there I can get the real truth, see? See, that's the way that conspiratorial mindset works, folks. You can't do it with the book. Over 2,000 years, if that would have been the truth, it would have came to the forefront. It was squashed. Gnosticism was squashed in the first 600 years of church history, okay? It was squashed. And Irenaeus did an outstanding job of squashing it in his book against heresies. But like I said, unless you want to get your brain rattled and you'd be, you'd be spinning, you can either take my word for it, or like I said, I'll play some of it for you and let you hear it out of the horse's mouth. But anyway, I just wanted to get that out of the way. And like I said, I'm not here cussing nobody and, and you trying to... I'm just telling you where they're wrong. And I'm telling you where what they're talking about is not original. All right? And the same spirits that misled the Gnostics is the same spirits, principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places that's leading astray the ones now that are buying into that junk. And I'll rest my case with that. Okay, Brother David, on that bright note, Brother, let's get started with um, Luke chapter 2. And one more word about Luke chapter 1. Remember, um, this, this Luke is such a historical gospel. We hit in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 1 how Luke tells you that he had perfect understanding. And he was, it, was, he was, it was a certainty of what he was saying. I gave you my slant on it about how he traveled with the Apostle Paul who was taught by the Lord face-to-face for three years in Arabia, okay? I gave you my slant on that, how I was approaching it from a different angle, all right? And I'll tell you this, as far as carnal history goes, profane history. Sir Charles... Ramsey from Cambridge University in the late part of the 19th century was an agnostic, a genius agnostic, all right? And he set out, he, he became an archaeologist, and he set out to disprove 
the book of Luke because what you're going to see as we go down through here in Luke chapter 2 how precise Luke is about his geographical locations and everything. Anyway, Sir Charles Ramsey from Cambridge decided he was going to go prove Luke wrong. Guess what? He didn't. And he became a Christian. All right? He couldn't prove it. He couldn't prove Luke's historical account wrong. Just wanted to add that in there. But anyway, in the 19th century, which uh, at the end of the 19th century, that's when a lot of the so-called quote-unquote scholarship, especially overseas, started coming up with these wild ideas. How they were they were getting away? They were disgruntled after the Victorian era. They were disgruntled with just the same old, same old, same old, and a lot of them became so-called intellectuals. Plus, right after 1881, with the revised version, when they kicked the Word of God to the curb, you can run a timeline, folks, on this. It ain't by chance that me and Brother Kevin was talking about it this morning. It's no chance. Every white Christian nation, was when they were the strongest at the peak at their peak of righteousness and purity, they only had one Bible. You can't argue with his, with that part. Anybody can check it out. As a whole, I said as a whole, every white Caucasian Christian nation was staunch on one Bible. After 1881, like I said, the latter part of the 19th century, it started going downhill, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Now look where you're at today. Brother David, turn to Psalms chapter 11. Let me show you a verse of Scripture, folks. Okay. Turn to Psalms chapter 11. If you don't, if the foundations, folks, be destroyed, you got nowhere to stand. If 12 inches, if 12, I'll tell you the verse in just a second. If, If 12 inches don't mean a foot, to everybody, if somebody's got, and you've heard me use this simple childlike illustration over and over and over again, and don't you go thinking, don't get puffed up with knowledge, okay? Don't don't start thinking, well, I'm smarter than that, I can do. Folks, I'm telling you, if 12 inches is not a foot everywhere, and it's 13 inches here, and 12 and a quarter here, and 12 and a half, in other words, truth is not relative, folks. There's either an absolute standard and an absolute truth, or there's no such thing. Read verse 9, Brother David. I think it's verse 9 in Psalms 11. It, um, uh, there's only seven verses. So. No, I said verse 9. Verse 3. Verse 3, I think verse it three. is. Right. Okay. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the answer to that don't know what to do. You won't know what to do. Why do you think all the confusion today, folks? But you're smarter than that. I know you're smarter than that. You're wonderful, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're bright and enlightened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look at your country. I don't care if you're in Australia, Great Britain, 
Canada, United States, New Zealand. Doesn't matter to me. South Africa, doesn't matter. Look at your country. Now you're immediately going to pull an atom, aren't you? You're immediately going to pull an atom and start pointing the finger somewhere else, aren't you? It's because of them, is it? Did them twist your arm, your people's arm, to do anything? Did, did they? I didn't think they did. Folks, the blame game's been going on since Genesis 3. Since time immemorial. Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the devil, and the devil would have blamed somebody else if there had been somebody there to blame. And instead, he just vacated the premises. Anyway, Luke chapter 2, brother. Go ahead. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Okay, I want you to stop right there. Let me make a comment about this, this name, Caesar Augustus. This is Octavius, all right? That was his real name. (laughs) He was an adopted son. But he took on the name Caesar Augustus, all right? That's just a title. His name was Octavius. Go ahead, brother. That all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, Hey, notice how it says firstborn there Amen. again, indicating Amen. there were others. Yeah, Her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and okay. laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know what Luke's just told you, folks? That's God in a diaper. Luke's just told you. Dr. Luke's just told you in, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, firstborn. That's God manifest in the flesh in diapers. That was the essence of God manifest in the flesh being intended to and put it, and a diaper put on him by a woman. That's the humanity. He was... Fully man and fully God. Do you think like that? Do you think about what Luke's saying here? The one that created everything that we were talking about before the program started. The earth. The great I am. Jehovah. Yod-Heh-Bah-Heh. All right? All right? was in a diaper, wetting his diapers, okay? Having to be changed, crying, having to be rocked to sleep, 
Ma, 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 ma. What an awesome thought. Brother David, you're going to have to try to call back in, brother, because you're, it's crackling big time, okay? Yeah. Okay, so, I'll do it right now. Okay, we'll wait on you. Go ahead. That, 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 isn't, that, isn't that an awesome thought? The creator of the universe came in as human flesh. Luke calls him the son of man. He was fully man and fully God. In a diaper, in swaddling clothes. Being, having to be rocked to sleep. People don't like to think about that kind of stuff. But it's true. That's what Dr. Luke t- tells us right here. Swaddling clothes. Because there was no room for him, for them in the end. Even had to go, there was no room in the end. So the creator of the universe has to go somewhere else to find a place to lay his head. His parents do. His mother and his stepdad. The one that gave everything by him, all things were created without him, was there nothing made? He has to go find somewhere else to sleep because the inn is too crowded. No room for him in the inn. And uh, you know that's the way it is with people. That's the way that they they have room for everything else, but no room for him. They have room for their likes, their loves, their desires, their fortunes, but they have no room for him. He's something that they just put aside till maybe a certain day of the week, and then they claim it's worship. They fulfill their own desires but only give him lip service. Just like there was no room for him in the end. No specific time of fellowship with him in meditation and prayer. Too busy. Like Martha cumbered about with too much service. And he said, Mary has done the more excellent thing. She was sitting at Jesus' feet. Hey, Mary wasn't doing nothing wrong. She was washing dishes and, and waiting on everybody and just, just going about the worldly affairs. But Mary sat at his feet, washing his feet with her hair. That little thing was so important that Christ said, wherever the gospel is preached, that should be mentioned also. I brought that to your, you folks' attention ad nauseum. Well, I'm bringing it to your attention again. <laughs> Christ said, wherever the gospel is preached, this will be told as a memorial to her. Well, I'm telling it all over again, just obeying what the book says. No room for him in the end. How about your heart? The end of your heart. The end of your mind. 
the end of your children, your family, your conversation, your three score and ten. Is it just a little corner? Or is he Lord of your life? He's Savior to a lot. He's Savior to quite a few people. Lord of very few. You see, there's a difference between Savior and Lord. There was no room for him in the end. Those of you that claim kinship and he is our kinsman redeemer, how about your end? Do you have room for him? Or is there no room in your end for him? Can you push him off, have to go somewhere else to a barn? Think about that stuff, see? That stuff should weigh on your mind. You should have five, at least five minutes in a dark place alone as talking to him about it, trying to rearrange the end so there's room for him too, you know. Well, do you know my heart, you know? How do you? Folks, I know the heart of people, period. I know my own heart. And the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And the battle between the inward man and the outward man is a 24-7 job. I know human nature because I'm honest with my own self. I know my own self. I'd be cleaning up a room somewhere and making room in that end. If not, then don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when rulership, rewards, inheritance is given out to judgment seat of Christ. There's no room in his end for you. You've been warned. I do it continuously. That's my job. That's my calling. I'm a pastor teacher. That's my calling. Just following, just doing exactly what the book tells me to do to the best of my ability. Whether y'all do what you're supposed to do or not, that's between you and the Father. That's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Second Timothy, brother, chapter four. Okay. I, I, I'm going to re, I'm going to restate it, reinforce this because I got to because the persuasion out there and people coming in from different um, areas and listening to a bunch of of um, false teaching would have you to believe otherwise. But the great apostle Paul speaking to a pastor teacher whose name was Timothy. 
gave him the final commands. By the way, Timothy was ordained bishop of Ephesus, okay? Paul gave him his final commands in his swan song letter, 2 Timothy. Read the first uh, seven verses, brother. Okay. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Yes. You, and you read them slowly. You folks, now, to see, this is what I'm talking about, folks. You would deal with everything else out there, all the woo-woo stuff, all the, oh, this doctrine about where he was this and that and the racial message and all that stuff. The smaller things you've ne- a lot of folks is neglected, all right? You'll badmouth Judeo-Christians. You'll badmouth the Judeo-Christians. I'm talking about them, even the ones that are Bible-believing. You, you, you badmouth them. At least they got enough sense. I remember with the churches that I pastored. At least they, at least they take care of their pastor-teacher. At least they obey the Scriptures. I've never seen such a bunch of neglect as there is in our persuasion. I've never seen the like. Never seen the like. I've heard every excuse in the world. But anyway, go ahead and read, Brother David. Second Timothy four one. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. He's shall... charging Timothy. Pastor Timothy of Ephesus. Charging him before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead, brother. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into, unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Thank you, brother. Back to, back to the book of Luke. Verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And, lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. (laughs) They didn't see a UFO. (laughs) They were sore afraid. Oh, my goodness. I guess well would be if that just popped up. They saw the glory of the Lord. Verse 10, brother. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For, uh, uh, said to all people. That's exactly what he said, and, and that all is without exception in, in the Greek. <laughs> Go ahead, Amen. brother. Verse 11. Uh oh, my phone's cracking again. Yes, For it unto is. you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. 
ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You see, Dr. Luke, he, he, he doesn't tell you about going down into Egypt, you know, and coming back up. He doesn't mention that part of it. He, he's, more, he's going to be more specific on his details. And like I brought up last night, or Friday night, he's going to give you 18 details. Of a, out of 23 parables, he's going to give you 18 parables that's not mentioned in any of the other Gospels and two stories that are not mentioned in any of the other Gospels. All right? Because he has perfect understanding chapter 1, verse 3, to bring you the certainty, verse 4, of all these things. I'm going to keep pounding that home, folks. Okay? Verse 13, brother. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the amen. Lord hath made known. Amen, amen. They said, well, we've seen this thing. Let's go tell everybody else about it. Let's go check out. Let's go check out what these angels said. Wow. Wow. First they're scared. Then they got, they, then they got happy. So they're going to go check everything out. Verse 16, brother. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. The angels named him. That's right. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Not only things on the earth, but things under the earth. Oh, my goodness, what's he talking about under? I'm not going to get off on that. We will deal with that at a later time. Verse 22, brother. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Oh, and that's stop. awful. Isn't that sexist? Isn't that so sexist? Every male... <laughs> Didn't say a word about females, did he? <laughs> anyway, go ahead, brother. Verse 24. 
and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now that way you know that Joseph and Mary were kind of destitute. They did not have a whole lot of money. They're offering doves. Go ahead, brother. And it's interesting that they didn't have any money, but Jesus had a lot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He just got a, a boatload of gold given to him. That's right. Frankincense and myrrh, brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't touch his stuff. They sure didn't. I was yeah. going to make mention. I'm glad you did, brother. I was going to let that pass. Go ahead. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You know, I'm going to make a little comment. Some of you folks that um, think that the Lord speaks to you, which I know he does. There's no doubt in my mind that the Spirit of God speaks to us today. But does the Spirit of God speak to you in English, or does He speak to you in Greek or Hebrew? <laughs> Just thought I would throw that in there. Go ahead, brother. Yes. And verse 27, And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to the word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light, a light, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Wow. I could spend a bunch of time on verse 32. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about that earlier. Absolutely. He's not talking about the land of Israel. He's talking about the people of Israel, folks. Yes. Amen. Go ahead, brother. Verse 33. And right there he's saying he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. Well, and then some would say, well, that means Israel. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sorry. He just said Israel, too. I know, brother. Right? Absolutely. So it's, it, it's a light for all peoples, and he's the glory of thy people, Israel. Primarily, Amen. it's always primarily Israel. Pri- Israel Amen. is the dominant thing, folks. It, we, of all the people of the earth, only us. All right? We're the primary but they're secondary also, just like there was, like I've taught you folks in the Old Testament. All right. Just like it is, and it comes right on through. It comes right on through. Go ahead, brother. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from virginity. Okay, folks. By the way, I just thought I would bring it up. Asher's one of the ten tribes that was carried into um, captivity by the Assyrians. Just um, Amen. That's one that made it out, I guess. Um, you'll notice that. You remember Nathaniel, you know. Um, there you'll notice so so there's there's not everybody was carried into captivity of those ten of the ten tribes, folks. Okay, that's the proof of one right there. Go ahead, brother. Oh yeah, they had lots of time to escape. Absolutely. Because they were coming down the Assyrians slowly, taking one city at a time. Amen. And they had all kinds of ships and many of them went to the colonies. Absolutely. But see, folks, the ones that are against the Anglo-Israel truth will try to use that. The reason I stopped and made a comment was that a lot of people that you try to show them the Anglo-Israel truth, they'll use these little sporadic things oh, like yes. this right here to try mm-hmm. to to try to disprove that. That is a bunch yeah. of malarkey, okay? Brother David, you man, that thing is making all kind of noise. I don't know what's going on tonight, but it's really loud. I'll try again. Okay, go ahead and try again, brother. Yeah, that's on his line. There's no doubt about it. Um, Don't know how we could fix it. Brother Kevin, you hear it, don't you, when it's crackling and everything? Yeah. Yeah, it, It could be a weather problem between here and there. Yeah, that's possible. It could be. Hard to say. Yeah, maybe I'm, I'm I'm fixing to ask him if he, has he tried using a different telephone. It could be a telephone. I don't know if he's using a cell phone or a landline. But I'll ask him when he gets back on. But yes, that folks, they will use that. Like I said, there's a some there's a mention of some of the other tribes also, and, and that that doesn't prove anything. All right, it doesn't prove anything when they try to use that against you. Like I told you folks the other night, just 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 slam Second Samuel seven ten in their face in First Chronicles nineteen, Second Chronicles nineteen. All right, they, they they can't they can't handle it, folks. They want and oh, if they tell you, oh, I'm a, I'm a liter, I'm a, I believe it's biblical, the Bible literally. Get them to deal with Second Samuel 17. They can't deal with it, folks. <laughs> they can't deal with it. They just can't do it because that plainly tells you the Lord's taking Israel, the people Israel, out of the land and putting them in another land. Jeremiah says the same thing in different words. All right? And put them in a different land, and they would never move again. In other words, they're not going back to Palestine. They can't deal with it, folks. They can't deal with it. That's what changed my heart. That's what changed my mind. That that was, the like I said the other night, that's the verse that flipped me. All right? That is the verse. You back, Brother David? Yes, I am. Yeah, we're having a a storm in various areas up here. Okay. Um, Thunder and lightning and that, so maybe it's a storm issue. Well, you're clear as a bell right this second. Yeah. It's not going on right here, but it's... um, 
off and on it's doing it probably around this area somewhere it's raging oh uh, okay go ahead i got somebody now trying to call in on my line y'all folks pay no attention to that vaping go ahead brother okay verse 37 yeah and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Okay, Paul and, give, Paul in, in Timothy tells you about widows that are widows indeed, and he tells you over, he gives the commandments on how a young widow, which she's supposed to marry, but an older widow is not supposed to marry, and he's giving you exactly what this woman, Anna, did, and the example is perfect. So Paul's giving sound doctrine, sound doctrine when it comes to widows who are widows indeed. Go ahead, brother. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. He grew in wisdom. He was strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Three-point message right there, Brother David. <laughs> Amen. Strong in spirit, spiritually strong, filled with wisdom, had plenty of knowledge, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41, brother. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph, his mother, and his mother knew not of it. You notice, folks, that coming down through here, he, the, the way it, always it's Joseph and his mother. Joseph and his mother. Joseph and his mother. And some of them reprobate Bibles out there will say his father and mother. trying to make Joseph be his literal father when he was nothing more than his stepdad. That's the reason your English is right, folks. It's Joseph and his mother. Amen. Go ahead, brother. Verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. Okay, this is the... You hear about Jesus was 12 years old, and then you hear about all these missing, the missing times. Well, J uh, uh, Luke, old Dr. Luke, gives you one, an account, uh, one account of those so-called missing years, and this is the account that he gives you right here. All right? This is just Luke going back. Boop, I'm going to give you all this, and then the rest is supposedly silent. All right? Now, we have a lot of history that's been written um, by, about Joseph of Arimathea and the ten mines and all this stuff, you know. Sounds good. 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, we got the Word of God, so we know it's true, so we're going to stick with it. Go ahead, brother. And we do know that the Word of God says that when Jesus uh, came in the power of the Spirit to start his ministry, they didn't know who he was in his city, right? That's correct. So he had gone somewhere. We oh, do know that. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. But yeah. like I said, putting in, filling in the blanks is basically yeah, you speculation. Careful, yeah. That's right. Go ahead, verse mm-hmm. 46, brother. Okay. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Okay, these were not the doctors like Dr. Luke. These were doctors of the law. This is how these doctors were. These were the intellects, okay, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. That's who these doctors were. All right, verse 47, brother. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him... They were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee, sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? You know, it's an amazing thing. After... The angel comes and says, you're going to have a child, okay? And Mary still don't get it. She hadn't been told everything. Her knowledge is still limited. And the Lord makes that plain right here. No, you're not. I I must be about my father's business. She still don't get it. She still don't get it. It's like the, all, when we went through Matthew and Mark, and I was always bringing up, these apostles are walking with the, the essence of God manifesting in the flesh, and he's telling them stuff over and over and over and over again, and they, it just goes over their head. They don't have a clue what he's saying. And I brought to your attention, later on here in Luke, we'll see when he gives them that understanding it's when the Spirit comes in, and that's a whole, that's a 30-minute speech and 30-minute teaching on that. We'll get into that later. But anyway, Mary still don't get it. Go ahead, brother. Verse 50. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Mm-hmm. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So she was contemplating in her heart all this stuff of what he had said. Right? And you see how he was subject to them? This Undoubtedly, this was just one little spot. Some It's probably a prophecy, to be honest with you. There's probably a prophecy in the Old Testament that nobody's found that dictates that this needed to be written down about this one incident right here. More than likely because, see, after that, verse 51, then he was subject unto him, never ran off, 
again, he was subject back to his parents. And then it says that Mary pondered these things in her heart, all right, what he had said. No, thee, I must be about my father's business. Verse 52, brother. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Not only in favor with God, but in favor with God and man. This is what you get for the next, from 12 years old to 30. Okay? For the next 18 years, he increased with wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with man. And then the scriptures go silent. And like I said, you have, you know, the deal about Joseph of Arimathea and the ten mines and, and all the stuff, you know, out there, which it sounds good, and there's some evidence of it. I don't doubt none of that stuff. All right, I'm just saying it's not Scripture. Don't take it as Scripture. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Chapter 3, brother. Brother David. No. Yes. Okay, I just I now, thought something happened to you. Oh, okay. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of Iturea, and of the region of Tracontinus, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Oh, folks, I told y'all I may I, I missed uh, untruth back in Chapter 2. This is Octavius here, all right? I, I, I don't know how I got mixed up. But the, uh, this is Octavius here, all right? Tiberius? Right. This ti- wait, wait. Just, uh, no, no, okay. no, it's not it. No, it's not it. I got them mixed up. I was right to start with. That was Octavius we were talking about. This right here is, um, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, oh, shoot. Oh, it slips my mind. Anyway, we'll call him, we'll just say Tiberius Caesar. But look here how precise Luke is in these geographical locations, okay? This is what uh, William Ramsey set out to disprove, some of this stuff right here. See how precise he is in each city and tells you who, who's the tetrarch over that city? Yeah, all this stuff can be checked out. In other words, Luke is writing this so it's documentation. Remember certainty. Remember the verse 3 and verse 4 of chapter 1. Perfect understanding and certainty of these things. And he's laying it out where it can be documented and checked on. That's how precise Dr. Luke was when he wrote. Verse 2, brother. Is Iturea uh, Idumea? I'm not sure, brother. I hadn't checked okay. it out. I hadn't checked All it right. out. Verse 2. Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Amen. As in the book of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, 
prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. What time is it, Brother Kevin? Uh, 9.07. Oh, 8.07 for you. 8.07. How long we been on, brother? Hour. Oh, okay, we'll go a little bit further. I was going to cut tonight short because we'll probably go a long time tomorrow night. But anyway, go ahead, Brother David. Okay. Okay. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Okay. You see the partial fulfillment? Folks, not all of that was fulfilled. Part of it was. The rest of it will be filled later. Just like those other verses I've ad nauseum ranted about. How you can't have, have about fulfillment of prophecy. All right? How, how the historicists will say everything's past. You know, all, all of, you can only understand prophecy by looking in the past. And I'll mention, sir, I'll really get into that tomorrow night when I deal with last day's prophecies, okay? I'll make some statements about it tomorrow night. Well, I'm going to go ahead and cut tonight short and let everybody, people got to get them to go to work tomorrow. And, and plus, plus, I need to do some more studying. There's some more things I want to bring up tomorrow night. Is there any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. There's no questions. You got any questions, Brother David? No, I haven't. Okay, I'm gonna cut you, I'm gonna cut you loose early tonight, brother, because we probably be out okay. for a while tomorrow night. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah, with that's you? fine. Yeah, okay, that sounds brother. good. Okay, looking forward to it. Amen, brother. Well, folks, I appreciate you um, being here tonight. Those in the chat room and the ones that download the program, go back and listen to the first part of the program again. Listen to what I said, folks. All right. And you got any questions? Bring them tomorrow night. All right. And like I said, I may play some of that stuff for you so you can hear it out of the book yourself. All right? Or you could go check it out yourself. It would be wise to do that. Don't take my word for nothing, folks. All right? I'm just a sinner saved by grace with a calling. I'm telling you the truth, though, but go check me out. Go check me out. You can find it on LibriVox, you know, the audio book place. You can listen yourself. Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Against Heresies by by um, Irenaeus. Chapter 1. Book 1. Chapter, and chapter 9 through 15. Okay? So check it out. See if you can pick it up too. I don't Unless you know something about the teaching of Gnosticism and the early church fathers, you might not catch it. <laughs> anyway, having said all that, we will see you folks tomorrow night, and we will start the series on last day's prophecies in a world gone mad. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had tonight. Father, I pray that you'd take the things that's been said, use them for your honor and glory in your people, Israel, Father. And may the Holy Spirit teach us, bless us, watch over each and every one, Father, the ones that download, the ones in the chat room, answer their prayers. Holy Spirit, make intercession for them with words that we can't even utter. 
You know the will of God. You know the mind of God. You know what we need, Holy Spirit. Please make those intercessions for us like Paul said that you do in Romans chapter 8. We'll give you all the honor and the praise for everything that you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray these things, and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. See you tomorrow night, amen. Brother David. Yes. Good night, all. Good night, you guys. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow night. Lord willing.